0: You're listening to the Sideline Story, the past, present and future of Rugby League, their journey, their Sideline Story.
1: But it's a head story, easy, it's black and white, it's a head If you go in with enough force and you fuck it up, then you have to pay more of a penalty. Yeah.
0: Oh, you shouldn't. It's a head-eye, it's a head-eye in the
1: story. Make it black and white. Why are we?
0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 73 of the Sideline Story Rugby League podcast for our preview episode for the knockout stages of the Rugby League World Cup Men's Tournament. If this is your first time tuning into the show, I am your host, Daniel Tessoni. Joining with me is one half of our co-hosts, Nicholas Guild. Our other co-host, Ryan Clark, is on a sabbatical for this tournament I think he's too busy watering the garden to our new studio, Nick, but, but um, also join with us is our special guest for today's episode, collaborating with the Cylon story for the first time ever, the international rugby league guru and creator of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, Michael Carboni. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show
2: what is up boys great to be here and Tass did I hear correctly 73 episodes Mm. mate I remember I remember when you started you let me know you're starting your show you're very excited 73 episodes in you
0: boys are killing it this is great (laughs) thanks mate mate um we're we're a little bit behind on um the episode tally compared to the chasing kangaroos podcast but we're getting there my friend so thank you for that (laughs) thank you all
2: good you got it it's all chase. where everyone's chasing so that's the yeah. thing so that's fine <laughs> that's all good it. All that's good.
0: that's it <laughs> mate. um i want to start this episode carbs with um some spotlight on on you and the chasing kangaroo okay. podcast so okay we want to get to know your sideline story in regards to that so are you ready for some hard pressing questions my friend
2: yeah, man, I'm very underprepared, but uh, <laughs> that's that's, right. that's when the best
0: the best answers happen. That's right. When
2: you're underprepared, so so hit me.
0: Firstly, uh, a lot of the listeners probably on our end won't know who you are, so my first mm. question is, who is <laughs> Michael Carboni, and what made you fall in love with the greatest game of all, rugby league? Ah, oh, mate,
2: Michael Carboni is a regular dude. He's ah uh, his close friends call him carbs, so you guys can do that as well. Yeah. Uh, look, I was just—I was born that way. My—I uh, was born. My dad was a mad Dragons fan, and I That's had no choice. <laughs> so I, it is very unfortunate. Uh, my kids, unfortunately, have the same curse now. But um, yeah, we—we—I've we, just always followed footy since as, as long as I remember. Uh, it's just been a part of me. But um, I'm not like your regular footy fan. Like I don't—I I remember growing up. The teams I sort of played in, there was a lot of, I um, played out in like the Parramatta Comp out in Western Sydney. Yep. And a lot of the teams I grew up playing in when I was younger, there was a lot of, we all wogs, mate. So there was a lot of yeah. Italians, Maltese, Croatians, yeah. uh, all these all these nationalities that, that don't usually play rugby league. And I thought that was kind of normal, you know, growing up. But as as I got older and I didn't grow beyond, you know, five foot six, five foot seven, I noticed all these other, you know, all these other guys playing footy and, you know, the the guys that you're more used to seeing play footy now. So I was kind of like different, you know, amongst the footy crowd. And I, But it took me a while to realize that. And early on, I fell in love with like the international side of the game, right? And I, I remember, I'm going to show my age now, boys, but uh, I think it was the 95 or 96 World 7s. Yep. And you had all the clubs playing and then you had a bunch of nations playing and you had like, you know, the USA and Italy and nations like that playing. And it was ridiculous, man, because like the Italian side was, I think the first one, the Italian side was like proper Italians. But I think the one I watched, the second one in 96, it was like a bunch of boys from all over Sydney with Italian heritage, right? Yep. Which is not too dissimilar to, to what you see in, in some of the nations these days. But but um, I remember watching this going Oh like, geez, like this is like, People like me playing footy, like this is great. Yeah. And I fell in love with the international game. And um, it's just been part of me ever since. I, I got up, I used to get up like I'm doing at the moment with the World Cup. I'm getting up at midnight, three o'clock in the morning, four in the morning to watch yeah. games, loving it. And, but I've always, and you know, you guys are going to, uh, actually, Tass, you might agree with me on this one because I know you well, mate. Nick, I'm not too sure. You might, you might hate me for saying this, but I've always wanted Australia to lose. Yeah. Uh, because it's not I know it's very un-Australian of me but yeah. um, for the international game to grow we need the kangaroos to sort of get knocked off their perch and and that's where the term chasing kangaroos was born because it's all about the growing nations of rugby league our podcast is about the, the developing nations around the world the international game and all of those countries that are that are chasing the kangaroos to get to mm. the top of the rugby league pinnacle uh, and that's Mate, You know, in a very quick sense, that's my story,
0: man. Mate, the name Chasing Kangaroos, I love it, by the way, um, because I'm on that bandwagon. Um, My boy Nick over here, I don't think he is. (laughs) That's all right, Nick. We can't all be perfect, mate. Mate,
1: I'm I'm a patriot, mate. (laughs)
2: <laughs> mate, no, no, nothing wrong with that but look I'll, I'll i'll say this to you nick is there anything more australian than backing the underdog so man no, 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 i'm
1: probably <laughs> I, I, I go for i go for Parramatta, and anyone who's the underdog normally and i defend them as well and i find a fault where there shouldn't be fault when i'm going for the underdog
2: yeah. sounds good man look as a as a dragons fan I can, I can relate to you, Parramatta fans. You guys like to choke and so do we. So it's all good, man. We're, we're simpactical, bro. Yeah.
0: Mate, um, you've started chasing kangaroos, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, with your brother-in-law in a mobile studio in the inner west of Sydney, if I'm not mistaken, carbs.
2: It was my best mate, my brother-in-law, uh, yeah. Charlie and Jake. Shout out to them. They're probably not listening to this anymore but um but yeah we started pretty much in, in the back of a car with like talking into our phones and um we we um it was weird it was sort of I think it was about four years ago now uh, so mm. podcasts were kind of getting big there weren't a lot of podcasts around especially for rugby league and when we started talking about it so my my best mate and I were massive dragons fans so originally we were going to start a St George podcast and we thought oh Georgia pretty crap at the moment. Like let's, you know, this is just going to make us sad talking about them every week. So what else can we do? So we wanted to find a little niche and um, the international game was the one because like no one was talking about it really that much. Mm. Uh, The rise of Tonga was starting to happen. So I could sort of foresee this future where your regular NRL fan, like our friend Nick over here might have an interest in international rugby league. Perhaps they just don't know it really exists yet, you know? So, we wanted to be the voice for that and and um, that's kind of where it started. And, you know, you start a podcast like that all that time ago on your phone in the back of a car and you think, oh, yeah, if, you know, you get 20 people listening, that's that's awesome. But very quickly we got 50 and 100 and 250 and 500 and 1,000 and we just started getting listeners because – as it turns out there was other people out there who wanted to be a part of our little niche and Mm. we've built this whole community since then including yourself mate Tess, and um and it's just been great like I've met so many people from around the world I'm I've been invited to the wedding of someone that I met through the podcast from America yeah you know that in in a month's time like and who would have thought you know stuff like that like it's been crazy like the friendships I've made and the opportunities I've had to like partner up with international rugby league on a few different projects and um, being part of selection for the golden boot yeah. over the last couple of years and this year as well. And, yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff, helping out, uh, helping out nations as well. Like we through um roos.com, which I won't plug too much, but all money made through the chasing shop and, um, goes back to the game so we sponsor the Brazilian rugby league women's team we sponsor the Netherlands rugby league Filipino rugby league we sponsor a, a under 12s team in Wales we've sent over 100 footies to developing nations around Africa and South America and Asia and Europe and all sorts of places man so we've um so good stop me stop me if I'm talking too much boys no, no, but uh, yeah it's mate, it's, it's, been a, it's been <laughs>
0: it's been an interesting journey mate um one of my last questions uh, before we get into our preview and review of the World Cup so far, your watershed moment for the podcast—when was it? <laughs> when did you realise it was? When did you realise you were sitting on something as as big as what it's gotten to, and the importance Looked of it. rugby league that it served?
2: To be honest, man, there's been a lot of little moments. So like I said, I've had opportunities to partner up with International Rugby League, Rugby League World Cup, a whole heap of nations on a number of occasions. Um, I've had, you know, we've, we've heard stories from all over the world that, you know, no one else would probably report on or even know about. Um, but the watershed moment for me is like, it's the little things. It's like when people reach out to me every day, um dms or messages or emails or whatever and just letting me know that they're listening um i had one i had a message a couple of days ago from someone just telling me you know during lockdowns that they found my podcast and they were binging on us every day and without the pod it like they don't know where they would have been mentally during that time because oh, yeah. it was so so tough as we remember awesome. so to hear stuff like that like that's not you don't start like we just started this thing, just mucking around, having fun, and we're still mucking around, having fun. But just to know, we have built a community and had an effect. So there's no like, there's not like one moment where like, oh yeah, like, you know, you've made it or anything. We certainly haven't. We're still very niche, you know. But just knowing that there are people out there that love the community and have gotten through tough times because of it, like mm-hmm. that to me, that to me is the moment, you know.
0: Yeah, hundred percent mate where can um, our sideline story listeners who are just discovering your podcast for the first time I imagine <laughs> there would be some some already know about it too I know, I know that for a fact but mate where can um, where can they follow and listen to chasing kangaroos?
2: Guys uh, cha- yeah chasing kangaroos is available anywhere wherever you're listening to, to sideline story you will find us chasing kangaroos um, you can you can also follow me on Twitter at chasing roos pod or across the other socials at chasing Roos as well so yeah feel free to follow dm have a listen let me know what you think and yeah join the community be a part of it
1: how often do you how often do you broadcast
2: we um so it's funny now so i've been like i really tried to do weekly um and i still do try and do weekly but it's sort of not often i'm sort of backing away from the microphone a little bit and i'm probably gonna it's been a long four years and we've built up to this world cup so little scoop I'm probably going to take a little bit of a step back next season from the podcast but I've got some great co-hosts with me that have joined over the years so my, my best mate Charlie and my brother-in-law Jake have moved on but we've got um, my, my, my co-host Big T the sexiest voice in rugby league podcasting no offense to you guys um, <laughs> I've got I've got Mike Wood who is um, who's a journalist for the raw sport and probably you know one of the when it comes to six th- degrees of separation from anyone in international rugby league, he knows everyone. I've got Mary Kay, who's the voice of NRLW, so they're they're great partners in crime, and um, they'll be doing a few little things next year for me as well, so that I can have a little bit of a break. Um, but I've also got we've also got another partner show, the Rugby League in America podcast. So I've got Jimmy and Dustin, and of course Nate Gladden, who run that. So we try and do we try and release a chasing kangaroos every week and we'll do um like a rugby league in america every couple of weeks all in the chasing kangaroos channel so ideally that keeps going to some capacity after the world cup i might even try and get a european podcast as well happening on the channel but mm-hmm. for me it's just about content that you know it's not you can listen to any and you can listen to a hundred podcasts about the panthers versus the cowboys mm-hmm. last week but you can't listen to Many podcasts about, you know, how rugby league was banned in Greece up until not too long ago. So mm-hmm. we try and talk about different stuff. And, you know, we, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to talk NRL and to, to consume NRL content, but we're just there for that little break in between for something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how we roll. Yeah.
0: For everyone that's tuning in to today's episode, just um, a big FYI. This will be the episode will be broadcast on both channels of the sideline story, rugby league podcast and chasing kangaroos. So you can access it on both our podcast channels Uh, and all the links to chasing roos and our podcast will be in the episode description. So carbs, thank you for sharing your sideline story. We're going to move on to today's episode, which by the way, we are very excited to have you on because you are the guru of international rugby league, my friend. <laughs> but, <That's> um, me. <laughs> mate, this is our preview of the knockout stages of the men's tournament of the Rugby World Cup. Today's agenda we're going to start with a brief summary of each pool. Uh, that's pools A, B, C and D. Uh, the eight nations who have progressed to the quarterfinals, as well as the eight nations who were eliminated after the round robin stages. We'll then give our preview of the quarterfinal matches. Uh, Our expert predictions for who is going to progress all the way through to the grand final at Old Trafford in Manchester and who we think will take out this year's tournament. The back end of the show, we will have a very special edition of our Bunker Review segment where we will ask our special guest host a bunch of Ask Carbs questions. Now, for those that aren't aware, it's something that you do from time to time, Carbs, where you just answer questions that you've been given Uh, that that people online have sent you. Uh, We're going to do that to you today and put you on the spot a little bit. Happy with that?
2: Boys, I feel very special.
0: Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I have an early question to kick us off, boys. And I will start with you, carbs. Um, It's something that's rattled the cages of media and public opinion throughout uh, the pool stages of this tournament. But my question is, uh, what is your opinion on the blowout score lines for the tournament so far, Cubs? Yeah,
2: um, look, I've read the headlines and I've heard the reviews. And um, to me, like, my question is what else did you expect? Like, we knew there were going to be blowout score lines. There always are blowout score lines, not only at Rugby League World Cups, but in most major international tournaments. I 100%. Mean, there's a twenty twenty Cricket World Cup happening right now and you'll see some some ridiculous score lines there as well. We've seen it in rugby union world cups yeah. where you know the, the 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 all blacks have beaten Japan 104 nil or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Uh, the the thing I always say is, you know, you look at you look at um the Union World Cup and you look at Japan and Argentina and nations like that now and they're doing okay. Yeah. And you look at cricket world cups and I remember I remember a time where, you know, Sri Lanka was like Bangladesh, you know, but they got better. Yeah. Um, the same thing with this. With this, um, I remember last World Cup in 2017. We were we were worried that you know the top eight stage, which was where we're at now, there were blowouts in that top eight, and that it was yeah. ridiculous, and we needed less teams. And it wasn't until we got to the top two or four that it was competitive. And and now we're getting to the top eight, and the top eight looks okay. You know, yeah, there's going to be a couple of blow. There's going to be a couple of big score lines. Don't get me wrong but it looks okay. And some of the nations are getting better. Like it's that we're at a point now where there are genuinely four, maybe five nations that can win this thing. Mm. We've never seen that before. And that to me is an improvement. So the important thing is not, you know, uh, does England beat Greece 94 to 4? That's terrible. The, the The problem is what happens next. Do we continue to support growth for the game in Greece, Jamaica, Lebanon, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Papua New Guinea France mm. what are the next steps because as a sport we have never capitalized on any world cup success in any way shape or form yeah. we sort of forget about international rugby league between world cups and unless we are prepared to put the effort in this is going to we're going to have blowout score lines every world cup and it's and it's just going to keep happening so that to me that's my opinion on that
0: Nick We've seen this week alone in round three, we've seen every scoreline as 13 plus. Uh, Only one scoreline was respectable in the Fiji-Scotland match. Uh, We've seen scores of 94, like Carb said, 94 to 4, 92 to 10. Um, Mate, Carb's gave us a pretty comprehensive answer, which I agree with a lot of his points. But what's your opinion, Nick? Uh,
1: Look, I just think that, yeah, like you said, what do you expect? But also, those blokes that are never going to be able to play regularly against the kind of talent that you know New Zealand, Australia, Tonga, Samoa, anyone have at their top level, they're going to improve as well playing against those guys. So, I was listening to a um, interview with Lutrell Mitchell, and it was when they just Australia just played Italy. And um, Australia actually found it a little difficult in the start of the game because mm. Italy went after Italy went after them. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's good, you know, like 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 you said, carbs. These teams that are lower lower end nations or tier two or tier three, if you want. They're going to get better if, as long as they keep playing at a whole, at the, the best the best teams. And yeah, there's going to be blowouts, but they're going to improve, like you said. Uh, with your cricket analogy with um, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, they they're going to get better. Like I can see Italy getting better. I remember when Lebanon weren't that good, and now they you know they're they're a top side. Yeah,
0: they are. Mate, they are. I'll
2: tell you what, I'll tell you what as well. Nick, you look at a nation like Jamaica, and and you know back on the island they've got you know they've got a good little club comp that's been running for about ten years. You know about eight teams. They've got some juniors coming through. They've got a university competition. They've got juniors. They've just started mm-hmm. women's rugby league in Jamaica they have like their own version of state of origin its pa- parish of origin where they get you know 2 or 3000 people watching those games and they're quite passionate about it right wow. on this small this small island wow. right they don't care that they lost 74 to 10 or whatever they lost against right? i'll check the score now actually just to get it right
1: they score tries, but, mate that's what matters yeah,
2: they don't care that they lost 74 to 12 the other night that but that first try they care and for that little kid on the island watching jamaica play in a in a, a rugby, not just rugby league, but a rugby world cup. Full stop. Mm. Like it's it's a it's an opportunity for them, and and like I say, that's that's the opportunities we need to to find and exploit. It's how do we open up pathways? How do we help that little that little kid in Jamaica get into the Super League or the NRL and represent his nation and make it stronger, make the international game stronger? So that's where we need to be. Man,
0: I think
1: uh, I think uh, they got the Rob to try as well, Jamaica.
0: <laughs> they, I think they did. Could too. have been 74-18. Yeah, yeah, could have been. <laughs> mate, um carbs to your point with Japan in rugby union. Um just to to end this question before we move on. Um mate, they lost 145 to 17 in the 1995 Rugby Union World Cup. 145 to 17. 24 years later, the 2019 World Cup, they hosted it and qualify for the top 8 quarterfinals which obviously gives them automatic qualification for the world cup next year in rugby union but that just shows to your point if we put the right resources into growing nations that want to be resourced and want to take that on board they will improve uh uh, 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 an example for rugby league is lebanon um for the world cup mate if you're going to kick out every team if people are because there's comments that are the World Cup shit, it's pointless. Um uh you know, these blowout score lines, yes, they should condense it, shit like that. And I I don't it actually offends me a little bit because obviously they're just inwardly looking at that um as a flash in the pan and that's it, it's done. Mate, in the FIFA World Cup the in 2018, Panama lost to England six one. In the in the World Cup prior to that, Germany in a semi-final, Germany beat Brazil seven one in Brazil. You mm. kick Bra- do you kick Brasilia because they lost 7-1? You don't. made they're one of the best nations, but are you going to kick them out because they lost 7-1? Like, it's just ludicrous to me. So I think to all the naysayers of the World Cup, they need to kick back a bit. Just relax. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And the current system, system of 16 teams in a World Cup, four in each pool, divided by best to worst, is the way forward. That's just I think, my opinion.
1: I think as well, Dan, is that, where are the next players coming from? Like, I, mean, I don't know if uh, Dom Young. I know he's playing for England, but I know he's um, Jamaican descent, and I know his brother's playing for Jamaica. But I don't know if he played in the Jamaican league. But where are these next players coming from? I and mean, he's he's going to be a superstar,
0: Dominic Young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you saying? Yeah. Are you saying where would the next Jamaican players be coming from, or?
1: No, no, no! I'm saying, where are the next players who are going to play in in probably the NRL or in the English league? Where are they coming from? Like, there's that young halfback playing for Jamaica now. I think his last name's Rush. I think yeah. he he's good. He's good. He's good enough to you know be starting in the in the uh, in the English league.
2: Mm. So he he'd be in lower grades in England. So a lot of the Jamaican boys are heritage boys. But there were six players in the squad from the Duhaney Red Sharks, who is the the team that won the grand final in their domestic comp, but, but that's the thing, right? So there's two, two, when it comes to international rugby league, you've got obviously domestic born talent, but we're also very reliant on heritage players. Like you look at a lot of the Lebanese, a lot of the Italians, a lot of the Greeks, there's, you know, they've got six to eight players each from their domestic competitions, but the rest are all heritage. It's the same with Jamaica. Um, The good thing about Jamaica is a lot of the heritage guys from England, right. They're from, and it comes. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier when I was this little Italian kid in Western Sydney playing footy. There weren't a lot that looked like me back then, right? The same goes for Jamaicans playing rugby league in the UK. A lot of Jamaicans in the UK, they follow soccer. They don't really follow rugby league. But because there's a Jamaican rugby league team playing in a World Cup in Northern England, all of a sudden, all the the local diaspora of Jamaican heritage from Leeds, for example, they they open their eyes to this sport, then they're, they're new fans to the sport, and they could be they could be new eyeballs on the Super League next year, for example. So it's not just yeah, it's not just domestically where the game grows. It's it's like you look at our especially Australian society, guys. Like how many different cultural pockets are there in Sydney, in Brisbane, in Melbourne? Like there's there's so much going on here, and and people are proud of their heritage, as you can see from the, these Tong like the Samoan boys from St. Mary's who rather represent Samoa than Australia. Like Mm. heritage is a thing, you know, and, and no one does it better than rugby league. It's an opportunity for us to really exploit and and get the most out of.
0: Yeah. 100%. We're going to move on. We're going to get into the wrap up of the rugby league world cup pool stages and our quarter finalists. We're going to go through groups, ABC and D in that order, starting with group a now boys, First place we had England, second place Samoa, third place France, and fourth place was Greece. Now, Greece is a beauty that we're going to talk about momentarily. But um, as a result of this table, England and Samoa advanced to the quarterfinals and have gained automatic qualification to the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. France and Greece have been eliminated. However, France also gained automatic qualification as the World Cup in 2025, is being held in France, which is fantastic. Uh, we'll start with England. Now, they were undefeated throughout pool play. They annihilated Samoa 60 to 6 in the tournament opener, to everyone's surprise. They then faced a tough French team, winning 42 to 18 before their final matchup, where they absolutely slaughtered World Cup newcomers Greece 94 to 4. Cubs, England. I want to hear your thoughts on their tournament so far. They went in there not as favourites to a lot of people, but have they surprised yeah. you, or did you think they were? Did you think they were going to come out as strong as they have?
2: Uh, England have certainly surprised me. Um, if you asked me at the start of the world, if you asked me a few months ago, um, I would have said that Samoa were favourites for this group. Yeah. Um. And a lot of people laughed at me then, and then all of a sudden, everyone was agreeing with me. As Samoa were picking, picking of Panthers players, and and guys were converting from Australia to Samoa. Mm. But um, I was really confident that Samoa were going to win that opening game. England absolutely shellacked them. I don't think anyone, even if you tipped England, you wouldn't have expected that score line, no. um, in round one. And they haven't looked back. Um, England have a really strong squad. Um. They haven't got the depth that Australia and New Zealand have. But if you look at guys like like Wellesby, you know, Burgess, yep. all of their whole backline is incredible. Um Tony George Mackinson. Williams has been at, at his peak. Mackinson, you mentioned Nick's mentioned Dom Young, who is like a poster boy for rugby league over there now. Yep. Um it's it's they have been really impressive. Uh Sean Wayne, credit to Sean Wayne, the coach. He's he's sort of we had um we had um We had James Graham on our podcast just before the World Cup to talk about England, and he said that the the feeling in the camp with with Sean Wayne and his boys are they're going to win this Cup. There is no other answer. They just have to win the World Cup, and they believe it, and you can see it out there. Um, They've started strong. They they, they might be the favourites. Look, it's between them and Australia, I believe. I'm sure we'll dig deeper into that Mm -hmm. um, soon, but England can win. And um as much as, you know, it's un Australian for me to say as well, it's probably um for English rugby league or for rugby league in, in Europe
0: could be really important if England 100%. do win this World Cup. Nick, you said Dominic yeah, look- Young earlier today, but who's been the most impressive for England or players that have been the most impressive for England for you?
1: Um been well, the five eight, isn't
2: he?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mate, he he's looking pretty good. Um, he's pretty slick with his passing. I think in the first game he threw an intercept and also threw five tries as well. Um, <laughs> mate, look, just on what you just said there, do you think that England played a fantastic game or do you think Samoa really disappointed and played shit? I think, I think,
2: yeah, I think Samoa were underwhelming. I think they got there late. They didn't have any trial game like trial games. I know there was, and I've said this on our podcast, I know there's a lot of Panthers players there, so you'd think there'd be a good connection. But if you look at their their spine, there, there isn't a lot of game time together. And guys like Suali hasn't played a lot at fullback, for example. Um, so there has there's not a lot of cohesion in the spine, although there wasn't at the start. But I, I did say after that game, everyone was sort of bagging out Samoa. I did say that, you know, they could if they they can build up to something and they can still challenge when it comes to finals time. Um, I still believe they can challenge. Uh, that, but they're they're not. They're, I would I wouldn't say they're in the top four right now, but mm. they certainly can sneak in. They can certainly build up to something. But yeah, look, I think it's a mixture. England were great, but Samoa were really bad. Oh, um, cool. And if that if that game were to happen again today, it might be. Uh, it would at least be much closer. I think so.
1: Yeah. I, I I was a bit like you. I had Samoa, especially with those guys picking to play for their um the Heritage Heritage Nation. I had them I had them right at the top. I had Australia, New Zealand, Samoa. And um when they played that game against England, not that England didn't play badly, but England played well of course, but um I just it, it was uh a little bit of a kick in the guts because I I'd, I'd, I'd mentioned that I thought Samoa were going to – I thought Samoa had actually taken a little bit of the shine away from Tonga, to be honest. Same.
2: Same. I agree. I agree.
1: Uh, look, one thing about England, and I don't. this is why I don't think they're going to um, – they're not as strong as those other two nations in Australia and uh, and New Zealand, is that fullback is such an important position. And I know Sam Tonkins is a good player. He's been a good player for a long time. But he he is getting older, and he doesn't have the electricity he used to have. He used to be quick as lightning, quick, and he just doesn't have he just doesn't have that anymore. And I know that's just one player, but it's such an important position. You look at New Zealand; they've got three or four fullbacks. Australia have three or four fullbacks. Yeah, that's where I just don't think that they're just missing something there.
0: Boys, um, we've touched on Samoa uh, after their embarrassing loss, and it was embarrassing, mate. I just remember Milford getting sin binned rightfully so. And the scoreline was 24 to six. And then, and I've never seen a team score back to back five tries in a row, back to back, to back, to back, to back like that, especially against quality opposition. Samoa just gave up and it was, it was embarrassing, but mate, I I predicted that England would win. Uh, I obviously didn't see a scoreline or foresee a scoreline like that. Um, but Samoa look like a side that will build and have been building throughout the World Cup. They bounced back against Greece and won seventy two to four, and then they came out in the second place playoff against France and won sixty two to four, which to me was annoying because I wanted France to uh, mm-hmm. show something considering the the amount of um, uh, the bounce back they've had from which I want you to talk about soon carbs because you've got the knowledge there with France, but. I think they're rebuilding the right way uh through um uh what's his name? Fres Fresignong, is that his last name? Lorent Fresn mm-hmm. Lauren yeah. Fresignou yeah. and and um Trent Robinson from the Roosters. Um but I don't know what you boys think about Samoa, but the question I've got is is the sleeping giant still asleep? Because they've been touting Samoa for years. Uh, they wanted to replicate what Tonga did in 2017. But it's just once they lost 60-6, to 6, everyone just went, and just kind of went, no, nah, I don't think so. Is the Sleeping giant still asleep, boys?
1: Oh, I think that uh, Car has touched on already. I think that, you know, yeah, they're underdone, like he's already said, in this first game. They've slaughtered the two other sides. I was a little disappointed with England's in their second game against France. I mean, look, if you're gonna smash Tonga like they smashed, sorry, if you're gonna smash Samoa like they did, I'd expect them to to do the same to France and they it was more of a closer game. You know what I mean?
2: Look to be fair as well, Nick, England in that second game, they did they did have make a few changes. So Wellsby didn't play, a few others didn't play, they had um had Mackinson at the back, I think. They had uh they had Ryan Hall in there. So they had, they made a few changes, they had made about five or six changes in that second game. So it wasn't the strongest English side. And that's sort of what I was getting at earlier. The the English England's one to 17 could match it with Australia and New Zealand. But it's the depth underneath that is where they start to struggle. So they're kind of lucky they haven't had any injuries or anything like that. It's good that they've been able to mix their players up a little bit and give them some game time during the group stage. Um they're going to be better for it when it comes to finals. Um, so, but look, France France played with some heart as well in that game. So they they came. There was a though they looked like getting blown out of the park in the first half, but they came back with two tries and and came close by the, by half time. Mm. And then, of course, in the second half, England ran away with it. So France were okay. Samoa had their best game of the tournament against France, um, and and like I said, they're building. You know, they are building up to something. They, they're they're going to come up against Tonga, which is going to be really difficult. But luckily for for them, until the third game of their group Tonga were sort of building up slowly as well. So that's actually going to be a, man, I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but Taz, I'm with you, man, with France, like disappointed. They didn't put up more of a fight. I think France, France and Papua New Guinea are like two teams that um, all international rugby league fans like really want to see do some good things. And and France, of course have a, they've got a very colorful rugby league history. Um, Everyone knows what happens with them happened with them during Nazi times and how the, the game was pretty much taken away from France. Yeah. Uh, but they're really seeing a little bit of a renaissance now, as you sort of alluded to. They've got the World Cup in 25, which is going to be great. They had two teams in Super League this year, uh, back to one team next year, but hopefully that can change very soon. But their elite one is getting stronger. Um, they had a f- their, their, their side is full of Super League talent, you know, for the first time ever. And that's what happens when you have, you know, a couple of sides in Super League from France Yep. The whole French side has Super League talent in there. Um, I guess the big, the big drawdown for them this tournament was that Theo Farge, who has been one of the best halves in Super League for the last few years, was injured, and he would have been a shining light for France. Hundred percent. But look, they've they've got a good young side. They've got some building to do, and no doubt they'll be a better a better side when they're hosting this thing in three years' time,
0: mate. Um. Just on France before I move on to Greece. Um, surely the next European, I guess, state of origin equivalent or triple, <laughs> like you know, three like three game series is France and England. Yeah, look, I've been saying
2: it for a long, long time. It, it doesn't matter if if England wins that comprehensively at first. Um, France needs to play England to improve. And, and not only that, but England needs some competition in Europe. I mean, you look at the the eight nations remaining and they're the only European left, uh, side left. Yeah. I don't count Lebanon. Lebanon are more Asia. And even so, most of the Lebanese players are, are Australian-based players. So yeah. you count them as, a, as an Aussie side, really, as a, as a Southern Hemisphere side, really. So England need... It's so important for the English game that the rest of Europe starts to come up and challenge them. So I'm talking about France. I'm talking about Ireland. I'm talking about Wales. I'm even talking about Greece, Italy, even Serbia. Like there's a lot of nations there playing rugby league in Europe now more than ever. Yeah. And um, England needs to to help them catch up.
1: Do you think there's a factor with regards to uh, how successful rugby union is in France right now? And they've got a there's, there's a I don't know it seems like I know they're they're doing well but it seems like an uphill battle. England need a team that's going to um, compete. And when I when, when we talk about competing, not just turning up, we're talking about a team that's going to beat them half the time. I just find that uh, it's going to be hard for France. And, and it's good that they're they're doing what they're doing. It's just going to be hard for France. with a lot of their junior kids play rugby union. I just hope that it's maybe. A bit like Australia where we start poaching some of those kids, I guess.
2: I think, I think you've sort of hit something there, right? Because, and, and that's probably why the game struggles a little bit in Europe. It's it, it always comes down to money, right? So, you know, the NRL salary cap is much greater than the English Super League salary cap. And, and the money available for rugby union clubs over there is obviously greater than the Super League as well. So... You're always going to find the best young French players might get poached to rugby union, so that's where I think the NRL clubs can step in, and I'd love to see a couple of French players over here come through the systems. There's um, there's a um, there's a club, uh, trying to get into the Queensland Cup, which which encompasses a bunch of French Polynesian nations, um, called uh Pacific Trez, and um, anyone sort of playing in that region would qualify for France as well. So that's another sneaky way that, you know, some French players can can come in through like the Australian sort of pathways as well. And you see with guys like Dom Young, we've mentioned him a couple of times already, but um uh, players that come through this NRL system are just a different level of beast, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So and the only problem is, you know, you can't you can't all it can't all be the NRL that's that's doing all of the pathways and 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 building these players. So it's really important that we have another strong professional league or two. Uh, the Super League is the next best one, and then the next best opportunity is France. To be honest with you, as well, we could have a whole podcast about this subject. Yeah. Um, the, it's it's going to take a while, uh, but like France are the next best thing
0: in Europe. Um, so England need to help them. It's as simple as that. Hundred percent. Boys, well, lastly, with Greece, they were the newcomers. Uh, they didn't win any matches, uh, but that's not what mattered to them. Uh, this was revolutionary, and I say that on a lot of levels, uh, which carbs again. I'd like to get uh, to pick your brain <laughs> on their um, on their predicament and the build up into this tournament. Um, but before I actually get into that, they actually scored two, maybe even three of the tries of the tournament as well through Billy Magulius, yeah. mate. Unbelievable, but we need a history lesson, a history lesson within carbs, uh, the backstory for rugby league in Greece at the start of 2022, if I'm not mistaken, the sport was illegal and a lot of people actually don't know the story, um, behind it. So could you shed a little bit of light on why our game was illegal in a country, which is ridiculous by the way.
2: It's very, it sounds bizarre. Uh, only in rugby league it's, this sort of thing seems to happen in rugby league a lot around the world if you look at our history uh, France is another example but um but i guess um Greece was the the when Greece when rugby league started in Greece it was around about 2014 2013 and there was a gentleman who was in charge of the game over there who was also involved in um in p- politics in and sport as well i won't mention his name because it doesn't deserve to be mentioned, he was uh, a, a bit of a shady character from all reports. Yeah. But there was um, four or five clubs in Greece at the time. Uh, but there were some allegations of you know embezzlement and things like that from this this character, this politician who ran the game, mm. and a few of the clubs broke away and decided to make you know start their own Greek competition. Um, so the original one was the Hellenic Greek Rugby League, the Hellenic Rugby League. Sorry. The new competition was the Greek Rugby League Association, and that's a competition that still stands today in Greece. Um, now, when all the clubs broke away from Hellenic Rugby League, this character uh, used his political clout and power to basically say that um, rugby league was not a full sport and that it was actually part of the um, the uh, modern pentathlon which was a sport that he governed also, so he had all the all the political power. For rugby league, was behind him, and he was able to coerce, you know, police into shutting down games and shutting down fields, and what you the know, fuck? pretty yeah, it's a crazy story. But there were there were there were matches over there, so Greek clubs were playing in secret. You know, they were playing against Serbian clubs in the Balkan Super League um, at midnight. You know one o'clock in the morning were kickoff times that were reported. They had to keep game times and game locations secret so as not to get shut down. And this happened for quite a number of years. And, you know, even to the point where Greece played their qualifying matches, you know, against Norway, for example, in London for fear that the game would be shut down if they played in Athens. Wow. Um, so it, it has. It wasn't until this year that um, the this guy... Who was involved in Hellenic Rugby League was uh, actually kicked out of politics for similar shady dealings, <sighs> and um, the the court ruling was overturned. So Greek Rugby League Association is now officially recognised in Greece. Rugby League is now officially recognised as a sport in Greece, and the game can continue to grow. and And full credit, full credit to the GRLA guys, who during this time were still able to grow the sport. They had you know up to eight clubs before COVID. I think they've got six, seven now. Um, again, uh, they started women's rugby league over there as well during this time. Um, so you know they worked hard. And 100%. now, and now with Greece, and this is what I'm talking about before, like Greece can lose 94 to 4 against England, but that doesn't matter because I mean some of the guys in in this squad, so I'm talking about guys like Stephanos Bastos who started playing um, started playing for the Rhodes Knights in the Greek competition. And now plays in League One. Guys, the guys like Theodorus Neonakis, who plays for the Aris Eagles, who, which is a club just on the outside of Athens. These are guys that you know. A few years ago, if you told them they'd be playing against England in the World Cup, they wouldn't care what they lost by. They just care that they're there. And again, it just shows opportunities for young Greek guys and girls to one day, you know, make it all the way in this sport. It's fucking crazy. That's a fucking crazy <laughs> story. <laughs> Seriously. So, just, someone needs to make a movie.
0: Yeah, mate. It, it just proves how much, like this is what I'm saying to the naysayers of these World Cups. They don't understand or like they need to know these stories and that's why we're here, I guess. But it just proves how much, Um, you know, the, a tournament like the World Cup can change fortunes for the mino Nations. And credit to the Greek boys. I don't know if you know this, Nick Carbs. I don't know if you know this story, but um, the squad that's gone to England, the Greek squad that's gone to England, they've foregone... All their payments that the World Cup are giving to them and are reinvesting it to the GRLA. So Brilliant. it's, mate, it's, man, like it's a, it's full and credit the group... to them, mate. Like they're, they're fucking, yeah, it's fucking wild. And like the story to get there makes it all, yeah, all worth it, you know? So Just little story. On...
2: Oh, sorry, sorry, you go, Nick. I've done enough talking, mate. You go for
1: it. All I'm going to say is that, um, with Greece, I don't know the I don't know those stories like you guys know. What I like about uh the Greek team is watching uh Ilias play against top line talent and seeing how he goes mm. and man, he's improved out of sight. Yep. And um he'll be better for the experience next year. He man, is it Mammazoulas?
2: Mamma yeah. 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 Uh,
1: mate, he, he's a player. Like I know they've just uh Souths just re signed Cook. Mate, he he's he should be playing first grade on a regular basis. It'll
0: be interesting to see what they do next year. Yeah. Boys, we'll move on to Group B. Uh, We've got Australia coming in at first, Fiji second, Italy third, and Scotland in last place. Australia and Fiji advance to the quarterfinals and have qualified for the 2025 World Cup. Italy and Scotland have been eliminated. Australia were undefeated throughout pool play. They opened their campaign against Fiji, uh, they basically took control of that match after 20 minutes and won the match 42 to 8. They then belted Scotland 84 0 and Italy 66 6. Guilty. Lots of um, conjecture with the Australian side. Their, uh, their selection prior to the World Cup. Uh, we, we spoke about it on the Silent Story Rugby podcast plenty of times. Um, they have the, I guess, the fortune to experiment as well, but. They're a clear cut above the rest currently, clearly, uh, with the pool they were in. But what are your thoughts on Australia, Nick? Um,
1: yeah, look, uh, it, it, the interesting factor, I guess, the story that keeps coming up, just even in uh, in regular news, is uh, who's going to play halfback. Um, but my thoughts are that uh, you know Cleary, Cleary probably deserves the opportunity to be the Australian halfback this year. But um, watching the last uh, the last game they played where they used Cleary and Cherry Evans, and I didn't think Cleary did anything more spectacular than Cherry Evans. I Cherry sure. Evans looked pretty good as well. And if they did pick Cherry Evans to move forward as the current halfback, I wouldn't have a drama with it, to be honest.
0: Well, mate, they're, they're saying on the news tonight before um, we started our podcast, they they're, they're saying that they're going to pick both of them which well, listen, is a bit you, can't, a bit of... pick, you can't
1: pick Harry Grant and Ben Hunt and Del Cherry nah, absolutely not
0: no way no way but mate that's the way they're going forward um like i said and we've we've established and it's clear to the world that Australia are probably the pinnacle of rugby league the national team and the NRL um but carbs you've started a podcast called Chasing Kangaroos We've, we've said this a billion times, that they're a solid side. Um, they Every tournament, every test match can always produce a quality team. You've said that they have the depth. They clearly have the depth. Uh, New Zealand have jumped on the bandwagon, um, obviously, through the NRL, but Australia have the depth. And a lot of players will play for Australia because they view it as the pinnacle as well. But I know we're going to get into our finals preview soon but the ultimate question is can the kangaroos finally be caught when it matters carbs
2: i really hope so that's but um but my fear my fear is i actually think they're looking better than everyone else right now and i didn't think i'd say it at this stage i really thought new zealand would be the favorites going through mm-hmm. new zealand have been pretty good um but I think they've lacked a little bit of polish and and that's typical of Kiwi sides. They, they work their way into tournaments. They didn't last world cup. They were terrible, but typically by the start, they're a different side to they are at the end and they've been pretty good. So that, that gives me confidence and hope um, for New Zealand in this world cup. England have been the team that everyone's watching mainly because they're the home side and, you know when they're beating samoa at half time all of a sudden you could you could smell the confidence from all over the north of england in particular they they think they can take this whole thing out yeah. but australia are in a position which is very unique to them in that they're kind of under the radar because of how well england has been going yeah. uh, at home so kangaroo's under the radar for me is really fucking scary to be yeah. honest with you i think and, so and um it's looking and that the way. only the, 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 what I, my hope as a, as someone that wants to see the kangaroos get chased down is that, um, Mal Meninga makes some weird choices and it maybe he does pick all the halfbacks to play weird positions and, mm-hmm. and you know, stuffs them in that, in that regard. But, you know, that's my hope. But Australia's looking strong, man, all jokes aside. Nick. Mate, you're, you're, fidd, say... you're fiddling,
0: Nick. I can see you're fiddling. Are yeah, yeah. you, are you, are pissed no, off? No, I no. I'm,
1: I'm, just, um, was <laughs> listening to what's been said and, yeah, I thought New Zealand would look a bit stronger as well, but then I was to take note that, you know, there's a player that's been injured and now he's sort of come back into the side. They're looking better, Jerome views, mm. And I guess it's the same with Tonga as well. Jason Tamelo come back into the side. You know, these guys are superstars. They make a difference. So I still think is my opinion is if Australia uh, – whoever wins on this side of the draw this is biased, but whether it be Australia or New Zealand, they're going to win the comp. That's what I think.
0: Mm. Boys, Fiji, Uh, their lead up to the tournament wasn't ideal. Uh, They lost their head coach, Joe Rebelli, uh, to uh, sickness, I guess. I don't know what it was, but he fell ill and went to hospital. So he was replaced before the tournament kicked off. They also lost uh, Michele Ravalawa and Pio Seki from Manny Eagles and Redcliffe's Joe Ratuvaka Serivalu in the warm-up match. They lost three players before the tournament even kicked off. Uh, they got on with the job. I know they lost to Australia, uh, but they pumped Italy sixty to four, which I thought was disappointing for for Italy because I'd, usually they've got a pretty decent rivalry. Those two, they always fire up when they play each other. But uh, the scoreline was way too big this time round. Uh, but then against Scotland, they only won thirty to fourteen um, in a clunky affair for Fiji. I thought Scotland played pretty well, but um, carbs Fiji. Uh, in the last three World Cups, they've made the semis. Um, is that going to be the case this time around, do you think?
2: Look, they um, they knocked off New Zealand last time at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and
0: I don't think they will do it again, to
2: be honest with you. Yeah. Um, They're looking, a bit, been, looking a, bit, you know, um,
0: a bit, yeah, I don't know, all over the shop at times. Like ooh, they've got... They um,
2: that's, that's
0: well, they've got Brennan they Wakeham and I think it's Mocker Drake, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So they had
2: Henry Ralawi um at 5'8 for the Scotland game. Yeah. Um. Look, they're, they're. I think you've nailed it there again, Nick. They've got some impressive outside backs as always. They've got some big boys up front, but it's it's in the halves where they sort of lack a little bit. Um. They've been impressive without being too impressive for me. Uh. The game against Australia was the big one for them, and they were they were nowhere near par. Um. So, they they they. I think they're making up the numbers in the finals. They, they they can give New Zealand a good challenge. Um, but what I do like about Fiji is uh the start of every game, guys. That's 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 been crazy for me. So um yeah. everyone talks about all the hackers and sippy cows and everything, but that Fijian prayer at the start of every game makes me cry. I'm a grown wow. man crying at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning watching a bunch of Fijian men hug each other and singing hymns. Um, but it's a thing of beauty, and it's, again, something very unique to our sport yep. that, uh, that I absolutely love.
0: Boys, we'll look at Italy now. I think they've had one of the sort <laughs> of one of the weaker sides uh, in, uh, in regards to first-grade talent. Uh, 2013 and 2017, they were littered with a few Super League and NRL players this year. They've only got one. Nick, that's the Parramatta Eels and Italian captain, Nathan Brown. He's your boy. He's our boy now because – The three of us are bloody Italian heritage. So this is our second team um, by default, if you don't go from first. But, mate, um, head coach, Leah Epifania, um, he had to find a quick replacement for Cooper Johns, uh, who's now an ex-Melbourne Storm player. I think he's gone to Manly. Uh, So they had to debut Radian Robinson from the Dolphins, who did a great job against Scotland in the first game. Uh, but, yeah, they suffered heavy defeats to Fiji and Australia, which was um, – the Fiji one was disappointing. The Australia game, I thought that, you know, that was expected. Um, but Italy, Cubs, they've picked a very heritage-driven side. Is there development um, – is there, is there formidable development uh, for the game in Italy? So that's actually the best part
2: about what's happening with Italy right now. So in, in the past, and they've had I mean in the past three World Cups, we've seen a guy named Jolli Celerino playing off the bench for Italy. Yeah. Um and he was the first Italian born player, you know, in modern Italian rugby league. Um but the rest are all, you know, pretty much or mostly heritage players. There's a couple of others there in the squad from from the Italian comp. Yeah. Um but Italy have been To most World Cups, the last three or four World Cups. Um, But mostly with guys named Tedesco or Minacello, et cetera, et cetera, Vaughan. Um, So we we really rely, I'm going to say we as an Italian-Australian or Australian-Italian, whichever way you want to say it, we rely on heritage. We really do. Um, And the thing is, like, we can't do that for much longer. Like, my kids are, you know, third-generation Australian. They're not going to be able to play for Italy. So we can't really rely on that heritage for too long. And Italy have had various levels of success at World Cups in the past few World Cups, but it's been what I spoke to earlier, right? They haven't been able to do much domestically off the back of that. Um, There's a lot of good support here from the Italian, in Australia, from the Italian-Australian business community in, in, you know, fundraising and things like that for Italian rugby league and, the good news is that reportedly um, some major domestic activity is really start, gonna kick start after this World Cup in Italy. So right. I'm I've been hearing about it for the last couple of years. COVID has made things difficult, but we are expecting to see uh, a, a domestic competition kick off bigger than it's ever been over there uh, in terms of rugby league. It's great um, news. We're looking at yeah, we're looking at a um, a group in north the northeast. Um, of Italy, which is like traditional rugby union heartland, so a lot of a lot of decent talent could come from there. Um, and there's also a conference in Sicily as well, from what I understand. So the, I'm there. interested, yeah, mate, all the way to the uh, from from the tippy top of the north to the bottom of the south. There, so mm. interested to see what happens. But for me, this is what it, what World Cups are about. It's 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 about the opportunities that come from the World Cup, and mm. if Italy can. If Italy can start to grow their own players domestically, then, again, it doesn't matter if they're losing against Australia sixty-six to six. Um, they will get stronger with the
0: right tools. Nick, you, we watched um, the Italian games pretty intently, and uh, you pointed out some outside backs for Italy that stood out for you. I think Nathan Brown was obviously their best player. Clearly, he was, and um, credit to him. I think he uh, embraces his Italian heritage and is really passionate about representing Italy. But um, other than him, who stood out for you, Nick?
1: Mate, uh, I don't know his name. There's two centres. Sorry, one centre and one half, one winger from the Sun, the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Yep. I was scoring a few tries. They played well. But the player that I liked watching, and I don't know if they rate him as highly even in the Italian side, but his name is Luca Moretti. And mm. every time he was on the field, he got in blokes' faces like there was one little push shove with a kick out. Mate, I like blokes like that. They stand out to me. He ran the ball hard and he tackled hard. No, no, he's an Australian. He's an Australian-Italian player. But I'm looking for those sort of players that aren't generally always playing NRL, and I'm looking for who can play NRL, and he's someone who can play NRL.
0: Mate, uh, the centre wing pairing is Daniel Atkinson and Jake Mason. They're both from the Sunshine Coast Falcons. They're on the left side, and they did do well. They did a job oh, in Scotland.
1: Atkinson played for, Atkinson's played for the Storm. He's played first grade.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I was yeah. impressed, boys, with um
2: the 5'8", Jack Cappagnolo. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh ended up sticking around over there and found a Super League side or something like that. He, he's he
0: been Who's decent. Who's his side?
1: Who's Rabbit. Who's his
0: side? Rabbit.
1: Yeah, he, he's good enough. He's
0: yeah. easily good enough. He's pretty slick. Yeah, 100%. Uh, boys, we'll move over to Scotland. And, um, Carbs, there's, there's something I want to ask you about Scotland because I think, personally, I think they've regressed as a nation. Uh, I think Wales and Ireland are the opposite. They're developing pretty strongly, which I will talk about when we talk about them. But um, I think they redeemed themselves a little bit against Fiji when they lost 30 to 14. However, if I'm not mistaken, they were full members of the International Rugby League. Have they been, has that been revoked and they've been downgraded to an affiliate because the development's not there? Or what's the go with Scotland?
2: Yeah, look, it's, um, you, I think I, I do agree with you in terms of Ireland are on the way up. Um, domestically, they've got more clubs than ever. Um, I'd love to see an Irish side in the Super League. Yes. Um, Wales. Lovely. Wales have always got potential. Um, it's hard to say. I'd love to. I'd love to say Wales on the, on the way up as well, but they sort of show signs of potential at every World Cup and haven't been able to capitalize off that. So um, I'm not too sure about Wales, but i I know they can improve with the right tools again. Scotland though have you know it has been disappointing, and there's a I've got a few Scottish listeners of the podcast as well. They won't like me saying this, but really domestically they have. Gone backwards. There are less Mm. clubs than ever, or than in a while, I should say. They've got a club called the Edinburgh Eagles, who are quite, you know, probably the strongest, easily the strongest Scottish club, um, who sort of compete with English clubs at like a third or fourth division level, which isn't amazing, obviously, but it's it's quite good for Scottish rugby league. And and really after that, there's a big gap, um, so there's not a lot going on domestically for Scotland. They need to get their act together. Um. Otherwise, unfortunately, I'm sorry to our Scottish listeners, but I'd prefer to see a different nation in that spot next time come 2025 World Cup um, if they can't improve in the next few years.
0: Mm, I'm with you. Boys, Group C. New Zealand came first, Lebanon second, Ireland third and Jamaica fourth. New Zealand and Lebanon have qualified for the quarterfinals and the 2025 World Cup. Ireland and Jamaica have been eliminated. Now, Nick, you and I during the Silent Story podcast, I think halfway through the year, uh, touted how New Zealand probably have named the best side in regards to being as well-rounded as they are, their spine, their forwards, their backs. They had a house campaign in 2017 that carbs you touched on. They lost to Tonga in the group stages. They came second, first Fiji in the quarterfinals and lost 4-2. I remember watching that game Windy Wellington it was a shocking game because there was no tries and just it was it was weird but they had a shit house tournament and didn't deserve to go anywhere near the semis and they didn't but I think this time round obviously they've are a lot stronger they've taken that on board I'd imagine bounced back they're undefeated currently um they beat a Lebanon side that was very passionate 34 to 12 credit to Lebanon. Uh they also pumped Jamaica 68 to 6 and Ireland for the first time ever uh 48 to 10. But um look, we've spoken about New Zealand. Um so guilty I'll ask you Jerome Hughes has been a revelation for him in the third game. I think he's going to be I think they need him to have any chance of winning. But which other players have impressed you from the Kiwis?
1: Man, uh, DWZ played well. Did he, he done a hamstring?
0: No, they reckon, but yeah, when he scored bloody, what well, was it, four tries against um in, in Jamaica? Yeah, yeah. Look, mate, look at their side. They've
1: got uh, they've got Papa he um, they've got um, Joe Tarpanay. they've got Brandon Smith, mm. they've got James Fisher Harris, yeah. They don't have a weakness. They don't have weakness in the side. Their bench players are, 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 are superstars as well. Um, like I said, I won't go into it too much. I just think that them in Australia are the the, the teams to beat. Mm. And I don't care that they haven't smashed sides by 90 points. Um, when Joey Manu's on fire, he could be, you know, he could be uh best fullback in the world.
0: You know, yeah. so. <laughs> I think so too. Carbs... Um... We've got Joey Marner at fullback. You've got Dylan Brown and Jerome Hughes in the halves. Brandon Smith S- Smith as a hooker. Uh, you've got Tarpanet that can play lock. There is a spine there on paper that is just as good, if not arguably better than Australia's. Will, Is it a shame that Australia and New Zealand are playing each other in the semis or do you prefer to see it pan out that way? Look, it is what it is. It's no shame. I think um,
2: if you're looking at a World Cup in England, it's uh, it's not a shame because it means England will probably play one of those. You know, you'd assume. Um, look, I just, I'm looking forward to that game if we get there. Look, we haven't got there yet. Right. Um, you know, but anything can happen, but it's very likely and that's going to be a cracker game. Mm. Um, it, it, the spines are great. Um, for
0: both. We're getting way ahead of ourselves already, but yeah, I, I uh, think we
2: can all assume it's going to be there.
0: Boys, Lebanon led out by ex-Wallabies coach and current, if I'm not mistaken, Argentinian coach, Michael Shecker. Um, He's again proven that, sorry, Lebanon have again proven that talent and passion can push you further. Uh, I think they've built on their 2017 campaign, which they just lost to Tonga in the quarterfinals. But, uh, Against Ki- the Kiwis, I thought they obviously were just that touch of class off, but I thought they put up a good show. Uh, they then beat Ireland in a gritty battle. That match was insane because Ireland, I think, lost the game on their own accord. Too much um, <laughs> too much, not worrying about the ball and rather smashing people's heads off and shit, but um, they beat Ireland thirty two to fourteen in what was the second place playoff, and then they pumped Jamaica seventy four to twelve. Guilty, your boy Mitchell Moses, the Eels and Lebanese halfback and the Lebanon captain. Uh, he's been a standout. Have you been proud of his efforts? Or
1: no, I'm going to look biased, but I think he's been halfback of the comp. And when they pick the side of the comp, he he has looked the best. The English commentators have been going off about him. I mean. Adam Dewey's playing fantastic as well. And one thing I'd like to mention is that there's been talk. I don't know how how accurate it is, but I think Chica could easily coach uh, an NRL side if he he wanted to. I don't even know if he wants to.
0: Mate, there is talk about it. Um, He has been working with the Roosters at times. Um, Another one, obviously this is biased because I'm a Bulldog supporter, um, is that... Jacob Caraz, yeah, mate, he's killing it. So he's been good.
2: He's been good, guys. If I can chime in, um, Lebanon have been my favourite side to watch at this World Cup, simply because they are playing such a different brand of rugby league um, compared to everyone else. It's been incredible to watch. I don't know if it's the Chico Rugby Union influence, but short kickoffs, they're raking the ball. They're throwing it around. Moses and Dwayne have been incredible. Yeah. Uh, but Lebanon have been great. They're, they're like the disruptor of this World Cup. And I can't wait to see them playing Australia in the finals. I don't think they can beat Australia, but they can cause some disruption. And that's what I want to see. I'm really looking yeah. forward to that game on Saturday morning, our time. Um, Lebanon have been great. And, and to your point, Nick, we agree on a lot of stuff, mate, even though you're a Parramatta fan. But we um, Chica in the NRL... Would be interesting. I know he has had some time at the Roosters in the coaching staff, but imagine Chica like coaching the Warriors like the way he coaches that flamboyant, anything goes, unpredictable style. I'd love to see something like that. It's not going to happen, but I can dream.
0: Boys, um, I'll I'll, pu- I'll push forward. Uh, we've we've spoken about Ireland. We have spoken about Jamaica. Um, credit to Ireland. I thought they were. Might be of Smoky to to beat Lebanon. However, they weren't. Like I said, I think they lost that game on their own accord. Jamaica, we spoke about earlier in the episode, they did not win a match, um, unfortunately. But they will build on it, as we all hope. In Group D, we had first place Tonga, second place Papua New Guinea, third place Cook Islands, and fourth place Wales. Tonga, Tonga, sorry, and Papua New Guinea advance to the quarterfinals and next year's, oh, sorry, next edition's World Cup. And Cook Islands and Wales have been eliminated. Boys Tonga were a bit sketchy in the first two games. Uh, Then they came out against the Cook Islands with a Jason tomalolo led side. He returned from suspension and they pumped him 92 to 10 boys. um, Oh, sorry, carbs. Nick in episode 72. Mm -hmm. So our preview of the world cup wasn't convinced about Tonga, but Nick, I want to know if you're still on the bandwagon or if, they're just building into something special.
1: Mate, um, I'll be honest, I thought that uh, Samoa had uh, overtaken them, but not now, not not what I've seen, mm. not what I've seen this World Cup. And with Jason Tamalo playing what he's playing, he's just, he's a freak. He's, yeah, it, it's hard to pick the best forward in the comp, but
2: he's just a difference maker. Yeah. JT made a huge difference I was I, I spent I really thought that Tonga were kind of treating these group stages which a couple of the nations might be as trials they're playing around with a few combinations and 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 all that sort of thing but when JT came on last game massive difference they are in contention they can win the whole cup um, they've even like where they've been weakish in the past and they've still managed to beat everyone despite not having a proper halfback, but they've got halves now in in like, like Katoa, Amon. Um, They've got halves. They've got, they've got players across the field. And I'm with you, Nick. I thought Samoa had overtaken Tonga, but I was wrong on that front. Tonga
0: are stronger than they were last time around. And that's scary. I think their young halves are building into something. And it's taken a few games. But Tomalolo needs to – he's that player. Just like I think Hughes is for New Zealand and Joe Manu is for New Zealand. I think Jason Tomalolo needs to be there for them to have a chance of winning. Because he just – they all had a leg up once he was on the field. He was a freak. But anyway, Papua New Guinea. Uh, they lost Xavier Coates and Eden Gebby before the tournament, which was unfortunate to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mate, I think um, ever since uh, the Papua New Guinea Hunters – being included in the Queensland Cup in 2014, uh, it's really helped the development of Papua New Guinea on the international stage. Um, the Cook Islands game was impressive. Uh, it was 32-16 to on Cook Islands' end. Uh, and then I thought Wales were gracious in defeat when they lost 36-0 in the wet. But um, Papua New Guinea are a side that I believe one day will be in, in the top four. I don't think it's going to happen... This time around, it might, but I just don't see it happening. But is this Carbs, Papua New Guinea's best tournament to date so far?
2: Oh, It's hard to say. They've gone further, but it's a it's a good side. And there's nothing more than I'd like to see than Papua New Guinea one day winning the World Cup. Like you say, it's not going to be this time around, but they're building up. They've got genuine pathways into their NRL now. The hunters are there. They're, they're getting to their players younger now as well in these NRL systems. If we can, I, I genuinely believe we can get to a stage where there's 100 PNG players coming through the grades in the NRL. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you're going to see an awesome Cornwall side that can compete with everyone. Um, they've got guys here, Mackenzie A. They've got guys like Edwin Apape at Hooker. They've got guys like. Um, uh the Roderick Ty, the winger, who's been incredible. Of course, Justin Ollerman, guys like that, Lockie Lamb. Um they've they've got a well balanced side. I think um they've sort of been low key, quite impressive. Like they nearly beat Tonga in that first game. It's been the mm-hmm. game of the tournament so far. I was really shocked by that display from them. I think they were great. And I think they're gonna I don't think they'll beat England, but I think they can certainly challenge England. Yeah. Um they're gonna they're gonna be able to bash them like none of the others have been able to so far. So I'm really looking forward to that matchup in the in the first round of finals.
0: Mate, Alex Johnson's also leading them out, if I'm not mistaken. But you said Edward Epape and he was Lee Centurion's hooker this year, and he was a revolution for the for the championship division. Uh obviously I think he's in the wrong division. He is a first grade player. Uh, so he's been outstanding. And I just wanted to give a shout out to, to Reese Martin as well, actually, because he equaled the world record for the most, uh, for the most consecutive uh, conversions in history. So he's another freak he of Papua New Guinea. He three in a row, he? No, no, he missed one. And then he, and then he, he missed one from the corner. I, they should have just let someone else kick it from the corner. So he can have an easy one just to, <laughs> you know, get 42, but anyway, whatever.
1: Reese Martin played well. I, I think he's. It's a shame that he left Australia because I, I think he, he had a lot more to offer in Australia. He's he's too good a player, mm. um, mate. They're my them and Lebanon are my favorite sides of the competition to watch. Mate, a player that I think's too good to be playing reserve grade is the halfback. He plays for the Blackhawks. I don't know his name, but um, mate, every time we play, uh,
2: you're talking about um, uh, Kyle Labor. Yeah, he's too good yeah. to
1: be playing reserve yeah. grade. Yeah.
0: Boys, um, Cook Islands, I thought, were good in the first two games against um, – who did they have? They had uh, Wales. Sorry, no, against Wales, I didn't think they were great. I thought they were better against Papua New Guinea, but then they got obliterated by Tonga, which was a shame. And then Wales, I know that they haven't won a game in the World Cup since the year 2000, um, but I, just, I see improvement. <clears throat> so they just need to get a few more Super League players playing Nick. So – what can you do? But I'm gonna push forward, boys. Oh wait, Nick, you got a smile on your face. Is this because of Cook Islands? Is that why you got a smile on your face? Yeah, it is. It is
1: actually. Oh, All yeah, right, oh, right. Wait, Hold on, hold on, cow. hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: Hold on. Carbs. Something happened on the podcast which was uh, massive. <laughs> it was massive um, on the social on our channels of social media because Nick said something interesting which pissed off I think a whole nation of people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, in a nutshell, um, we're talking about Valentine Holmes because uh, he said he might play for the Cook Islands. Yep. And I was, um, being a, a rugby league expansionist and international supporter, I liked the idea that he was going to potentially play for them, and Nick disagreed because he's he goes for Australia, which is fair enough. And he said uh, something along the lines of that. I said something silly. I said yes, something he- silly. <laughs> because and Valentine Holmes, I'm going to repeat it. He said, "I could, that, I could have put it better way." Because I think Val Holmes would be an idiot to leave Australia now to play for the Cook Islands. Is what he said,
1: something and that, that
0: is on the basis of that he goes for Australia. They're the best team. He shouldn't be going to a side that's not as good. That's what he said. That that's basically why he said it, and it blew up like something fucking severe. <laughs> like really severe, like to the point of death threats for Nick and they wanted to kill him and shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) Just the little things, you know. But anyway. um,
1: The only thing that uh, made me a little bit happy was um, Brad Takarangi got involved. He even made a little comment and said, um, you know, talking about heritage and so forth. And I agree. Look, you know, um, it was the bad choice of work. But. Uh, Brad Takarangi was talking about how, you know, it means so much for the people if, if our homes are gonna play for uh, the Cook Islands, which is great. But um I do remember Brad Takarangi playing for New Zealand, so he's got a short memory, I think a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just you had to do it. You had to just rehash it, it, didn't you? It, yep. Yeah, rabble rouser. Anyway, it is quarterfinals time. Uh, We're going to get right into it. Carbs had to step out just for a moment, but he will be back for the Ask Carbs segment at the end of the episode. So as we've spoken about, the top two from each pool qualify for the quarterfinals. Uh, Six of those teams are from the Asia Pacific. One is from Europe and one is from the Middle East African, I guess, uh, catchment. Uh, So these are... The upcoming matches for this weekend, we're going to give our predictions. So let's get right into it. Quarterfinal one. Kickoff is 6.30am this Saturday, 5th of November, against Australia, who topped Pool B, and Lebanon, who came second in Pool C. The match will be held at John Smith Stadium in Huddersfield. Nick, who have you got winning this match and why? Australia's
1: going to win because... I think Australia are the best team in the con. but yeah. I I hope I I agree with what uh, Carlos was saying earlier. Is that I like the way Lebanon are them playing, and if they could really give Australia a good push, um, it, it'd make it a good game. I, I just I just think that uh that the NRL class that, that Australia have, they're just they're just there's no there's no chink in the armor. Where are they Where are they for Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just I, I want the I want every quarterfinal semi-final and the grand final obviously to be a close encounter uh, just to show that the game is strong uh, with these eight nations. That's the whole purpose of why they've restructured it into the top 16 structure and at the best make it into the quarterfinals rather than <clears throat> rewarding mediocrity with the weaker pools and the super pools annihilating them come quarterfinals time. But um, just a bit of backstory on them both. Uh, They've only met once, Australia and Lebanon. That was back in the 2017 Rugby League World Cup pool stages. Australia won 34-0 that time. Uh, Australia have not lost a World Cup fixture since 2008 when they lost the grand final to New Zealand. They've won 11 of the last – sorry, 11 of the 15 World Cups in history. Uh, They've won the last two in a row. They're going for the three-peat. Lebanon have only reached the quarterfinals, which is an achievement – in itself. Um, but yeah, Nick, margin, what do you think with this game? I
1: think, I think it'll be. Uh, hopefully, Australia don't hit 40, and hopefully, Lebanon can get 12 or 18.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, it'll be 13 plus, but I, I just want it to be a, a good 13 plus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, quarterfinal two England versus Papua New Guinea. England topped. Pool A, and Papua New Guinea came second in Pool D. Kickoff is 1.30am this Sunday, 6th of November, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, at the DW Stadium in Wigan. These two nations have met four times in their history. That doesn't include Great Britain. England's won each time. Their last meeting was in very similar circumstances, being the quarterfinal of 2017, where England won 36-6 in Melbourne. Uh, If we're including Great Britain, however... Papua New Guinea beat them in the Lions Tour of New Zealand in 2019, uh, where Papua New Guinea won 28-10. to 10. <clears throat> England, as a standalone nation, have not won a World Cup tournament. They came very close in 2017 when they lost 6-0 to Australia in Brisbane. Uh, however, Great Britain have won the World Cup three times, their last coming in 1972. For Papua New Guinea, uh, the furthest they've reached is the quarterfinals, which they reached in 2017. Nick, who wins this match, how much by and why?
1: I, I want to say Papua New Guinea because, like I said before, they're, uh, they're one of my favourite teams to watch. Um, I think it'll be super close. I think the home field advantage, a home crowd advantage, are going to get England over the line. I'd say England
0: win by 12. I think it's going to be really close. Mm. I love the way Papua New Guinea play. Mate, I, I think this is going to be closer than what people think. I think England will win. Home ground advantage is massive. It's going to be a sellout uh, at Wigan. But um England will win, I think. I still think 13 plus. But um again, I think this will legitimately be a close 13 plus. I I can't say this being a blowout. Quarterfinal three. New Zealand versus Fiji. New Zealand topped. Pool C and Fiji came second in Pool B. Kickoff is 6.30am this Sunday, 6th of November, Australian Eastern Daylight Time at the MKM Stadium in Hull. These two nations have surprisingly only met once. We spoke about it earlier. Uh, It was also in the quarterfinal stages in 2017 when New Zealand lost to Fiji 4-2 in a trial affair. Very, very weird game. Uh, Fiji again, like we spoke about, have qualified for the last three semifinals in a row, uh, but they have never reached the World, the World Cup final. New Zealand have won one World Cup in 2008. They contested the last grand final in 2013 where they were pumped at Old Trafford in Manchester uh, in 2013, 34 to 2. Uh, and in 2017, they had a shocking tournament. But Nick, who wins, how much by and why?
1: I think New Zealand are going to crush them. So I just think I. that uh, the golf
0: and the spine is too great. I'm with you. I, I don't think um, Kikau and um, what's the hooker's name again? I thought he had a mind blank. Apy Correa. I don't think they're enough. Uh, they've got a nice look. They're fullback from Penrith uh, reserves. He, he's also a good player, but New Zealand are just so well rounded. I think I think they'll tell them up um, twenty plus. I think they'll they'll maybe even thirty. Unfortunately, you with me on that one?
1: Yeah, look, Fiji uh, have got some good forwards. They're just they're just not. There's too many chinks in the armour.
0: Yeah, I think so too, mate. Last quarter final. Uh, that's quarterfinal four. Tonga, who topped pool D, they'll be versing Samoa, who came second in pool A. Kickoff is 1:30 a.m. on Monday, the seventh of November, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, at the Hallowell Jones Stadium in Warrington. Mate, this is the tale of the Pacific Islands juggernauts. Uh, I don't think it gets any bigger. Tonga v. Samoa, red v. Blue. Um, I think it's it should be the, the Pacific equivalent of state of origin, to say the least. Uh, they've met 19 times in their history. Tonga have won 10 times, Samoa 8 and 1 draw. Their last meeting was in 2018 in a mid-season test where Tonga won 38 to 22 at Campbelltown. Uh, Tonga's best achievement was in the last World Cup where they just lost to England 20 to eighteen in controversial circumstances uh, which we spoke about with Leilani Latu on his sideline story interview um, Samoa have only reached the quarterfinal stage and they've done that three times in 2000, 2013 and 2017 Nick this is a big one I think it's a hard one to answer but your winner, margin and why
1: um we talked about it before. I had Samoa ahead of Tonga going to the World Cup. Um, I've just been disappointed with uh, mm. with Samoa. Um, Tonga, on the other hand, I just think that uh, they, I think they're gonna crush them, to be honest. I don't think it's gonna be 13 plus. I don't think it's even gonna be close.
0: Wow, mate. I think look, I just want to point out something just to just to um, be a little smart ass for a sec. I um, I, I've picked in our predictions episode, in episode 72, uh, I picked this top eight in order of what they are, but I'm going to stick with it. I've put Samoa ahead of Tonga uh, and I can see it happening. I actually can. Uh, they just need to get their shit in order. I did say that Samoa would lose to England in the first game, but that they would be the t- sort of side that would build uh, their last match. Sorry, excuse me. Samoa's last match Um against France was very well-rounded and I think they can take that in against Tonga uh, or, but you know, on the other hand, Tonga did play their best match against um Cook Islands and 92 to 10 is proof of that. So this is going to be a fantastic game. I think it will be one to 12, Um, but I need to stick strong with what I said and I think Samoa will get them. But the Jason Tomololo factor is really, really like, if I'm, if I'm not sticking to what I predicted pr- prior to the tournament, the Tomlola factor is massive. So can't wait to watch that game.
1: I can't see Samoa beating England if Samoa win this match, where I can see Tonga beating England if Tonga
0: win the match. That's just my opinion. Nick, who have you got progressing through to the grand final? Because with your predictions, it's going to be Australia v. New Zealand on one side, and England v Tonga on the other. Sorry, it could be Papua New Guinea v Tonga um, if they beat England. But who have you got winning?
1: I've got I've got um, Australia facing Tonga.
0: That's mad. <laughs> That's so good, uh, mates. I am again sticking with my predictions, uh, and I'm hoping this happens: a New Zealand England final uh, with. Look, I said New Zealand would win. Um, I don't care who wins. If that's the final, I don't, actually don't care who wins. Probably England. I'd like to see them. Just on Carbs's point of um, uh, the fact that it would help grow the sport in Europe. So that's why.
1: But yeah, But I don't think I could handle the English commentators, the way they carry on about the English side.
0: They're so biased, they, eh?
1: Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I, yeah. I forget about it. Every year I forget. And then I'll watch a game and I go, Oh, no wonder.
0: They're they're just passionate, Nick. Come on. They
1: are passionate.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we'll bring carbs back in and we'll wrap up the episode with our Ask Carbs um, bunker review. So we're getting into our bunker review now. Uh, For those that are tuning in for the first time, this is our discussion point, uh, the way we end every episode. Uh, Carbs, we're going to do a special edition for you, the Ask Carbs bunker review is what we're going to call it. So. Topic number one, International Rugby League Chairman Troy Grant earlier today announced that the highly anticipated rolling international calendar for Rugby League will be announced after the World Cup, probably in December, he's hoping. Um, But, Carbs, can you shed some more light on what this may look like? Because a lot of people don't know when internationals are on. They're usually haphazardly strung together. Um, besides the World Cups, which we know are on a quadrennial cycle um, every four years, for those that don't know what that means, uh, what's going to happen in between? Yeah, the look, it's all about, at the
2: end of the day, when it comes to internationals, it revolves around what the NRL and Super League are doing. The NRL have a lot of to say. You know, if they say there's a standalone origin game and we can play some test matches that week then that's what generally happens around the world for rugby league. Yep. Uh, but when they say that standalone match isn't happening anymore, then we've got, you know, a four, five, six-week window at the end of the season. And that's what's going to be happening from here on in. But what you're going to see is a lot of group stages grouped in like confederations. So you're going to see a lot of Asia-Pacific games, you know, and qualifying tournaments for World Cups. You're going to see a lot of European nations happening every few years. You're going to see a lot of African nations and a lot of uh, American nations as well so all of those confederations grouped together playing each other um qualifying for the next world cup as well all of those sorts of stages happening uh you may see the occasional you know tour from a kiwi side to an english side or vice versa or kangaroos getting involved too but i think we're going to see a lot more you know america jamaica canada and brazil playing each other you know um cameroon um kenya uh nigeria Lebanon playing and South Africa playing each other of course Australia New Zealand Tonga Samoa Fiji PNG playing each other and of course you know England France Wales Ireland uh you know uh Greece Italy etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're going to see those some confederation style euros pacifics americas uh that's what i'm expecting um like i said four week windows potentially at the end of the year so it's not going to be crazy um, but it's going to be more than we've had for a long time. So I can't
0: wait to hear it from Troy. Mate, um, he had a few things to say today, actually. He wants the Rugby League Nines in the Olympics by 2032, the Brisbane Olympics yep, uh, for men and women, uh, the wheelchair in the Paralympics. Uh, he wants the next World Cup um, after France to be in New Zealand and Pacific Islands and the one after that to be in the USA. So it's great. Great stuff to hear. Mate, um the next topic. Nick and I have had a lot of arguments about this for two years. Um, but I want to ask your opinion on what the best way forward is for international eligibility.
2: You want to ask me. Um look, I think I think the way we've got it at the moment isn't too bad. Are we talking about in context to state of origin? Is that what the big blow up is?
0: Like uh, that, that was usually <laughs> that's usually <laughs> where the blow-ups are but um look we can go we can open that can of worms but um your opinion is for just international football that it's good the way it is that you have look look the gra- the gra- the, gra- the grandparent
2: rule um for example is not something that's unique to rugby league it happens in every sport mm. um there's an aussie born uh, soccer player playing for Italy at the moment um you know so this is not unusual. Uh, we just complain about it a lot as rugby league fans because we like to complain about stuff. I'm okay mm. with the grandparent rule.
0: Uh, I'm going to open the can of worms. Origin, <laughs>
2: what do you do? <laughs> yeah, what you do is what we're currently doing. Uh, oh, Origin, yeah, it, the boys. Or, or, yeah, Origin needs, to, <laughs> Origin needs to decide what the fuck Origin wants to be. Like, is it the pinnacle of our sport? Uh, is it an All Stars game? Is it a genuine selection for the Kangaroos team? If it's a genuine selection of the for the Kangaroos team, you need to say that. You need to say or, that we're picking a Kangaroos side from Origin. That means Australia's the pinnacle, not New South Wales or Queensland. Sorry to say, and um, select your side from Origin. And whoever whoever plays needs to be available. Okay, fair, but yeah. for in but in my opinion, you know, you like my, like and you boys might agree, might disagree. Um, as an Italian-Australian or an Australian-Italian, whichever way you want to look at it, you know I understand how important heritage is, how important family is, how important my background is. I was born in Australia. I'm from Italy. Both are important in my life. I understand why guys can grow up in St. Mary's and want to play for Samoa. I can understand why a guy can grow up in Auckland and want to play for Tonga. I can understand why Victor Radley can grow up in, in the eastern suburbs and want to play for England. I can understand that. Um, and if you, but but I don't understand why Victor Radley, for example, can't be equally as passionate about a stra- uh, New South Wales at State of Origin time as he can be about England at World Cup time. I don't understand that at all. I don't think Origin has anything to do with eligibility. Um, you need to have rules in place, yes. Like you can't have Sam, but you couldn't have Sam Burgess or Benji Marshall running out for New South Wales. Yeah. That's where you draw the line. But man, if someone if someone like, uh, Drome Luai is good enough to play for New South Wales but wants to play for Samoa and he's eligible for both by both rules which are completely fine then I'm totally okay with it. Keep it as is. Ooh, like that Nick? Sorry Nick.
1: No, no mate I, I, I just think that like you said you've just got to make the rules right like um, you've got to get rid of the tier 2, tier 1 nation thing because there's guys who have grown up in Australia who can't who can't play origin because they're New Zealanders, whereas there's guys who've grown up in Australia who can play because they're either from Tonga or Samoa because that's a tier two nation. doesn't make any sense. So you've got to make the rules better.
0: Yeah. Carbs, we'll move it on. Uh, nearly finished here. Um, and Nick, this is also for you. <clears throat> After the pool games, uh, I want to hear your early predictions for Golden Boot. Carbs, start with you. Uh I don't know if I'm allowed to say cuz I'm
2: Oh that's right you're Ah you? but, right. <laughs> uh, but uh but but uh yeah look there's it's yeah there's some good ones. I can't really say boys sorry Nick up over to you mate. Yeah. Uh
0: golden
1: best player in the competition or is it best player in the world
0: right now? Well it's pretty much going to be the best player in the world cup because there he's been oh there's been a few a few mid season tests so it's it's whoever the best is uh in international rugby league in the in this year.
1: Mate, I'm biased. Um, look, they're going to pick James Tedesco probably, but um, mate, if, if it was up to me and, and it was a side that it was struggling but that was still, you know, showing a lot of effort and show, showing a lot of class, I'd pick Moses. I think he's yeah. playing awesome. If it's just about the tournament,
2: mate. I, I will say I will say if Lebanon went deep, Mitchell Moses could come close, but you have got to play games at the world. Like you got to, yeah, the more games you play at the World Cup, the better. Um, so. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. But Mitchell uh, Mitchell Moses has been really good.
0: Carbs, quick fire. Who's winning the Women's World Cup and who's winning the Wheelchair World Cup?
2: Uh, Wheelchair will be
0: uh, France. Uh, Women will be Australia. Very good. And my last question before we say goodbye, where do you see International Rugby League in 10 years' time? (laughs) Uh, That
2: that depends on... uh... That depends on how much foresight and how many opportunities we take. Um, We can certainly grow very quickly in places like Papua New Guinea, France, all over the Pacific islands. Um, And we can certainly grow quickly in parts of Africa and parts of America and things like that as well. But it depends on if we take those opportunities. Uh, What I am afraid is that the gulf between the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere is going to continue to grow. Ah, uh, that could be a real big issue, and I really hope that Europe can catch up to the Pacific in the next ten years. I think as a community, we need to try and ensure that uh, it gets a little bit closer, and um, you know, we can get to a World Cup where there's eight teams that can win it instead of four.
0: Yeah, great answer, boys. We'll leave it at that. Carbs, we Nick and I really appreciate your your time uh, for coming onto the show today for our collaboration episode. I'm sure we'll do it again in the near future, but thank you, mate. You're doing wonders for international rugby league through the chasing kangaroos podcast and everything that you said earlier in the show. Um, so again, just a big, thank you. We we're both saying thank you to you for coming on and everything you're doing.
2: Thanks boys. Love it. Sorry. I have to rush out and uh, thanks for chasing kangaroos with me.
0: That's all right. And uh, go to the Bulldogs and fuck the kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what's your sign off? Come on, bro. Mate, go to the hills and go to snakes. Yeah, the boys. Always a pleasure, never a chore. I've got to say that too.